be singing this morning. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. verses 1 through 6. Come let us sing to the Lord. Let us give us joyful shout 
to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Let us sing hymns, hymns psalms of, of praise, for the Lord is great God, the great king above all gods. He owns the depths of the earth, and even the midst, uh, the midst and the mightiest mountains are his. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. We can uh, put our trust in our Lord because he's the one that created it. He's the one that owns it. So he deserves all our praise this morning. So let's lift up our Lord and let him know how much we love him.
doesn't it? Lance is traveling today, and Steve is taking his place. Steve, what a great job. You did a wonderful job today. Appreciate Steve Baker and all those who participate in the worship team. Uh, I was just watching Steve up here leading, and one of the things about being here a long time is uh, you just watch people who grown up and served the Lord. Steve, I think, was, what, 15 when I came here? Almost 21 years ago. And uh, the only thing I can't figure out is I've gotten old. Steve looks about the same as he did when he was 15. <laughs> If you don't mind, I'm going to bring this to the pulpit with me. I get allergies this time of year, and so I want you to know there's Diet Coke up here, just in case you're wondering what's in here. And so if I start choking during the service, I'll have to do that. I remember a story when I was a kid about a pastor that had water up on the pulpit when he was preaching, and, and uh, somebody had never been to church before, and I guess the preacher went a long time in the sermon. And after he got through, there was an old farmer who greeted him on the way out, and he said, it's the first time I've ever seen a windmill run on water, so I hope that that's not the case this morning. <clears throat> I'm, I'm talking to you this morning about, you know, we're in a series on anger and boiling point in the name of the series, and we hope that you've gotten a lot of help from the series, and, and I just am excited to hear the stories that come in from our worship experience about people who are being helped, and then also, too, from our television audience. It's just sort of blown me away to hear stories about people, oftentimes who aren't even religious, um, who know they have an issue with anger, and this has been a doorway for them to begin to explore who Jesus is and what the Bible has to say. So I'm just so thankful that you've been here for these messages. I have two more, today's message and next Sunday's message. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to be talking about uh, a sermon called Chill Factor, and, and what I'm going to just show you is some anger solutions. I'm talking about anger management today, but a lot of us need to go beyond anger management. We've learned to sort of deal with anger. How do you get rid of anger? How, how do you just get it out of your life? We're going to talk about that next week, about how to take some old anger that's been in us for a long time and get rid of it. So uh, that's next Sunday. But this morning, I want to talk to you about anger management. And the question that we want to ask in this morning's message is, when is it right to be angry? When is it right to be angry? Because there is good anger. There's anger that's important. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, when angry, do not sin. This is from the Amplified. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Notice it says, when angry, do not sin. So in other words, it is possible to be angry and not sin. But as I said a moment ago, some anger is important and necessary and good in life. Remember this, anger is a God-given emotion. Now, as negatively as we've talked about anger uh, throughout, throughout the series, a person might get the idea that anger is bad, that anger is a sin, anger is always wrong. Uh, when I got ready for the series months ago, I began to do word searches in the Bible on anger and wrath and other similarities or, or similes. Uh, for anger. And what I discovered was when the Bible talks about anger, overwhelmingly the majority of times that the Bible talks about anger, it's talking about God's anger. So anger is a God emotion, and we're created in God's image, and therefore we have the potential for anger because God made us in his image, and we have that potential, that, that emotion in our lives. Unfortunately, because of sin in our world, just like most other things that we deal with, we have to struggle not to use a God-given emotion for a bad thing. But it is important that we have anger. Somebody would say, I'd just like to have all anger out of my life. I don't think you'd want that. Because if you had all anger out of your life, it would have a, a negative, detrimental effect upon you as a citizen 
and how you interacted with things like, like justice in our culture. You know, when you hear about a child being abused or, you know, some hor horrendous crime perpetrated against a, a child, anger rises up within you, and that's a good thing. That is a justifiable God anger because, see, if God did not allow us to have that emotion, we'd let the most awful things happen in our culture, and those perpetrators would not be punished. So anger is important. It's a God-given emotion, God emotion. Without it, abuse would go unpunished. Suffering would be ignored. And oddly enough, I think sometimes anger is behind charity. When you think about the good things that people do, when we, you know, when we saw what happened to the victims of Katrina and those people that were out there, there is some anger at that situation that rises up and says, why should I be living in ease? Why should I be enjoying life while these people are suffering? There is an element of that, that scenario that is anger. So anger at times is a good thing. But the question this morning for us as we study today is how can we turn this ordinarily destructive emotion into a positive force in our lives. For a lot of us who are very intense, this is going to be an important time for us. And others of you, maybe you, you don't struggle with anger to the extent that people like me do, but I guarantee you before this is all over, there's going to be some helpful, there's going to be some helpful teaching for all of us and how to turn this ordinarily negative emotion into a positive thing. Before we go forward, though, I want to introduce you to four words that have to do with anger. And I must tell you the truth in this, I've got a little help from a guy named Mark Gorkin who's called the stress doc. He does a lot of seminars and, and uh, he does a lot of teaching on stress and anger. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I've never seen any evidence that he's a Christian, but remember this, all truth comes from God. And I don't know if he knows just how biblical his stuff is, but I got to reading what he had to say and, and I thought what he, what he said was important. He said there are four words that frame our anger experiences. The first two words deal with the style of anger and the last two words deal with the effect. But once you see these two words, you're going to have a little bit of a feeling for what anger is in our lives and how, and how, to, how to identify it. The first word that he used is the word purposeful. Purposeful anger. Purposeful simply means that there's some thought that goes into it, that it's, it's uh, something where there is a reason or there, there is something that, has, that involves self-control. So purposeful is the first word. The second word is spontaneous. Now, many of us know how spontaneity affects our anger because something happens on the spur of the moment and we react very quickly. It is spontaneous. There isn't a whole lot of forethought in it. There's not a lot of, uh, of premeditation that goes into it. It just happens and we react. The third word that I want you to look at is the word constructive. And the fourth word is destructive. So when you get angry, you need to think about those four words. In a few moments, we're going to see how they fit together and how that they, how that they have to do with, with how we control anger. But those are the four words. I'm sorry I got them out of order, didn't I? should have been uh, destructive before constructive. Forgive me. Uh, but in any event, those are four words that you need to think about when, when you deal with anger in your life. Now, what I want us to look at now is that these four words give us four possible combinations. Because 
they pair together. For instance, if you look at uh, purposeful and constructive, well, let's make it purposeful and destructive first because those are easier to find. That would be when you think about anger for a long time, but when it, when it comes out, it is damaging. It's, it's bringing pain into the situation. So it is purposeful and destructive. So let's think about that for a moment. What I, what I want us to consider is that with each one of these, there is a biblical example of how, these, how this anger plays out. If someone was purposeful and destructive, they would be thinking about anger, but when the anger comes out, it would be very negative. I would think of this person as being somebody like Cain. Remember, we covered him in the first sermon. He was angry at his brother because his brother brought a sacrifice that God was pleased with, but the more he thought about Cain, the angrier that he got, and eventually he destroyed his brother. He wanted to find some way to vent his anger, and in thinking about it, he became angry and decided to kill his brother. Now, let's think about another example. Let's think about uh, purposeful and constructive. Here is a person that has anger at a situation, but thinks about it for a while and determines what he can do to build. What can he do to make such the situation better? When I think about anger that's purposeful and constructive, I think about a guy named Nehemiah. I don't know if you remember the story or not, but Nehemiah was a man who lived in the Old Testament days, and during the time of his life, Israel had been taken captivity, and he worked for a foreign king. The king he worked for was not a godly king, knew nothing about God, but Nehemiah had been very successful. We talked about him in a sermon not too long ago, and in his success, he had what could be considered a cushy job. But one day, Nehemiah heard that the city where he had come from, the walls were all torn down, the people were living in squalor, and that there were all kinds of issues and problems. And he, in his anger over the circumstance, his anger over the situation, he determined that he was going to go back and rebuild the walls of the city. So that would be an example of someone who is purposeful, who thinks about the problem, the anger, but he's constructive in it. In other words, he is building something. He is angry, but his anger is not damaging. His anger is building. Now, let's think about the other situation. Let's think about spontaneous and constructive. Of all the anger situations, this is the toughest one of all because there's some stimulus for anger and we react to it in the moment, but because we're under such self-control and we're able to think through things very clearly, even though we're made to be angry at the moment, we do something that's good. I searched the Bible to find examples of anybody who could be spontaneous and constructive. Guess who the only person I could find in the Bible who fit that mode was? Yeah, Jesus. I thought about the time when he was in the temple and the money changers were there and they were, they were abusing the temple. Jesus in his anger did what? He turned over the tables. He put them out of business. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't injure anyone. He just took care of the situation, and he communicated to them that his father's house was to be a house of prayer. Now, this is the most difficult of the four combinations to find, spontaneous and constructive. 
And the fact that I only found one person in the Bible who fit that illustration, and that person was Jesus, led me to believe that most of the time we shouldn't even try this one. Probably the only person who's really able to handle spontaneous and constructive is Jesus. So when you're angry, you know, it, do everything you can to be building, to be constructive if it, if it hits you at the moment. But chances are you and I are going to struggle with this one right here. And then, of course, the last one is the most common anger, and that is spontaneous and destructive. Boy, it's not hard to find examples of this because that's just how most of us deal with anger. The moment hits us, we react, and what we do is damaging. One of the things that I've found as I've studied for these messages and we've looked at anger over and over is that most of the time when we are angry, we do damage. And it's crazy damage. I, I had read, some of you perhaps had read about a pro baseball pitcher who was angry because something some sports writer said about him. And he, he, he took his hand. I mean, here's a guy who makes his living with his hand as a pitcher. He takes his hand and hits something solid and breaks his hand. That's very foolish. He would never do that in his right mind. But because of anger, he became destructive. People are destructive most of the time when they're angry. They say things that destroy their mate's self-esteem. They say things that break, that break relationships. We tend to be damaging when we are angry. And we see many examples of this in the Bible. This is the most common form of anger, and you find many examples in the Bible. The first example I thought of was a guy, one of Jesus' disciples, whose name was Peter. On the night of Jesus' arrest, Peter became angry because the men were arresting his Lord, and that's understandable. But in spontaneity, in that quick moment, Peter reached for his sword and swung the sword, didn't hit anyone who was really responsible for the arrest of Jesus. He actually hit, the, hit a servant. He had a man who was the servant of the high priest, and beyond that, thankfully, he didn't kill the man, but he did slice off his ear. Think how close he came to committing murder. I mean, he was angry, his Lord was being arrested, and in that moment, the first thing he thought of doing was to take the sword and do damage. It's a very common thing. You, I, I think another example of this would be Moses in the Bible. Moses was angry because the people were complaining against him. God had brought them to a place where he was going to give them water from a rock. God told Moses, speak to the rock. But what, what did Moses do? In the spontaneity of that moment, Moses struck the rock and did something damaging that kept him from going to the promised land. So this morning, I want you to think about these four uh, kinds of anger. It's sort of a matrix when you think about it. Your anger is either purposeful and destructive. In this, you do damage, but you think about it for a long time. What can I do to do damage? Uh, perhaps a word that should come into play whenever we think about purposeful and destructive is the word, I'll just put the initial up here for it, but vengeance. Vengeance. I want to get even. I don't, you know, you hear people say, I don't get mad, I just get even. Well, they do get mad, and they try to get even. But the Bible tells us not to try that, because vengeance belongs to who? To God. Whenever you and I try to get vengeance, we always make one of two mistakes. We either get too much or not enough, so don't try it. It's never a good thing. Let God deal with your problem. If somebody has done wrong to you, God will take care of that. God will even all the scores. Just go on with life. Don't let that anger simmer in there. Remember we saw last week that if you let anger stay in your heart overnight, you will wake up a different person. You won't be the same person tomorrow. So remember that. Anger, purposeful anger when it's destructive, 
The idea is vengeance. We think about it, the more we think about it, the more it irks us, and the more it irks us, the more we think about it, and we just say, what can I do to get even with that person? We may not even realize that we're asking that question, but it's very damaging. It damages us and damages other people in our lives. Then spontaneous and constructive anger, like we said, not very much chance that that's going to happen with most of us because most of us are not emotionally and spiritually equipped to handle that. But I will say this. If you're able to deal with anger constructively in a spontaneous moment, it's because that you have built boundaries into your life. You have built parameters into your life. You've learned to control your speech. You've learned to control your heart. You've learned, to, you've learned not to try to do damage. Remember this. When we're angry, most of the stuff that we say, if we're not careful, is calculated to do damage. I know husbands who talk to wives in ways they would never talk to their wives because they're angry. And a wife will hear those words and say, well, now I know how he really feels about me. It's a very, very toxic situation. But if you're able to deal with spontaneous anger constructively, it's because you've built all those boundaries into your life. But I guarantee you most of us are not going to be able to handle this one. So we need to think about, but we'll, we'll get to this in just a moment. We want to get to this idea right here, purposeful and constructive. But before we do, let's remember this. Most of the time when we react to anger spontaneously, it's in a destructive way. So our goal this morning is to look at how we can get to that top right-hand corner. How can we turn our anger from damaging into purposeful and constructive? In other words, we think about it. We're angry at a situation, but we think about it for a while, and we determine to build. We're determined to make something good happen out of a bad situation. What are the things necessary to turn bad anger into good anger. How do we make our anger purposeful and constructive? Well, the word purposeful gives us the first one right out of the box, and that's this. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down your emotions. Slow down your reactions. Uh, when something makes you angry, that's, you know, we hear the expression, we've heard it all our lives, take a deep breath. Well, take a lot of deep breaths, all right? Don't just take one deep breath. I mean, breathe deeply for a long time. Slow down. When something happens, you say to yourself, I'm not going to react to this right now. If I react to it right now, chances are I'm going to be spontaneous and destructive. I need to find some way to get to purposeful and constructive. So the very idea of purposeful means slow down. The Bible is all over this one. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, the Bible says, don't be quick-tempered, for anger is the friend of fools. Don't be quick-tempered. Boy, that's just good advice, and it's a command. Don't be quick-tempered. So I just say, Mark, that's the way I am. I have one word for you, change, right? I mean, change, get over it. You say, well, I just have always been, that's the way my parents taught me. No, 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 no. The Bible says, don't be quick-tempered. That's just something to get rid of in your life. Don't be quick-tempered. Why? Because anger is the friend of fools. That would be the spontaneous and destructive anger. Proverbs 14, verse 17. Those who are short-tempered do foolish things. Men, unless a lot of us change, they could put that on our grave marker. Amen? That's true. Those who are short-tempered do foolish things. Like I said, the Bible's all over this one. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. That means if you got patience and self-control when you're tempted to get angry, you're better than a warrior. You're better than a champion. And it's so important to have patience and self-control. Somebody hurts you, and, or somebody invades your space, or somebody makes you angry, it's powerful to be patient. 
Proverbs 29, verse 11, a fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. See, do you see how that fits spontaneous and destructive? I mean, a fool gives full vent to his anger. I mean, that's what the Bible is saying. And, and I don't, you know, I've been in this box enough in my life that I hate to see this word, but the word here is foolish. That's right. When you and I are spontaneous and destructive, God has a word for that. And the word is foolish. We're not going to do anything smart. We're not going to do anything good when we are spontaneous and destructive. In James 1, verse 19, the Bible gives us words that many of us know and perhaps have committed to memory. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. See, be purposeful. Don't, don't be spontaneous. Be slow to get, to, to get angry. So if you want to get to this box where your anger is purposeful and constructive and be like Nehemiah and build something instead of damaging, the very first thing you've got to do is slow down. Now, if you're like me, and, and some of you are, where you're a very intense person, when do you think about slowing down? Do you think about it when you get some stimulus, or do you think about it before? you got to think about it before. I mean, when I'm not angry, i got to say to myself, now, Mark, when somebody trips your switch, got to be slow to anger. Mark, now you be thinking about that right now. You're having a good day, and nobody's bothering you. Nobody's cutting you off in traffic, and, and nobody's saying anything to you, and everybody, you know, all the people who are serving you, they're, you know, at the restaurant, they're on time. And, but think about that. Someday somebody's going to make you angry, and when that happens, you got to slow down. So constantly, if you're like me, if you tend to be very intense, you have to train yourself in the good moments to be ready for the bad moments. In fact, that's just good advice all the way around. That's a universal. If you're having, you know, if you're having struggles in your marriage where you need to communicate with your partner about stuff that's going on, don't wait till you get into a fight or argument and let it come out then because during that time, everything that's said is going to be discounted in a major league way. Talk about it when things are good. Talk about the challenges that you face when things are in a good situation. Do it in a way that doesn't blame your partner. Do it in a way that's constructive. How can we make things better? So, how do we get purposeful and constructive? Number one, slow down. I've already given you number two. I'm sorry about getting ahead of myself, but think ahead. It, think ahead. Now, I want to take what I said a few moments ago and take it a little bit further. Whenever I've been angry in my life, I've done many foolish things, just as the Bible has said. Often, when I vented my anger, I was not thinking a move ahead. It's like playing chess. When you're playing chess, you need to be thinking one, two, three moves ahead if you want to be successful. And so it is with anger. When you get angry, angry at your husband, angry at your wife, angry at your parents, angry at your friends, angry at somebody you don't even know, the first thing that you're tempted to do is to respond, and most of our responses are destructive. It's very important to think to yourself, what's going to be the price tag of this response? If I blow up and I say things that hurt my wife and affect her self-esteem in a detrimental way, then I need to ask myself, what's, I mean, I'll feel better maybe. Maybe if I'm angry and I can let it loosen, and like we said in the first sermon, I can vent and I can feel like a victim and I can feel that emotional salve for just a few seconds. Will that be worth the damage that I do? For many, many of you are Christians. And when you're angry, your testimony is jeopardized. And by testimony, I mean the fact that people look at you and they know you're a Christian. I'll never forget, this happened many, many, many years ago at the old location. There was a young man in our church who had gotten saved. I remember having the joy of leading him to the Lord. And I mean, he really struggled to coming to faith. And it was hard for him. 
But he, when he got saved, he really got saved. I mean, he just was all about God and serving God and the Bible and memorizing scripture and witnessing to his friends. I mean, he just like a light switch. I don't think I've ever seen this happen very much, but I mean, he went from being skeptical about everything in the Bible to just believing it all and being 100% for God. I'll never forget one day he came to my office to see me and he was just distraught because there was a man in our church, an older guy, who had taken his automobile to the place where this young man worked and because he was unhappy about something, he lost his temper and yelled and screamed and berated this kid and some bad words came out of his mouth. And the guy that did this was an usher in our church. And this young man didn't know how to say the word. He had never been in church. He hadn't grown up religious. He just kept saying, but pastor, he's an upsher. I mean, he didn't, and he just blew his mind that somebody who claimed to be a Christian and, and, I, to, and, and that young man today, I, I hate to say it, is out of church. And it started at that moment when a guy who was supposed to be a Christian lost it in front of this kid. So how do we get to purposeful and constructive? Well, first of all, you have to slow down because the Bible says if you're quick-tempered, you're going to do foolish things like that usher in our church. You're going to do dangerous things. You're going to do things that are hurtful. Slow down. And then number two, think ahead. It might feel good for me to let my anger out right now, but what's the price tag going to be? Am I going to lose my testimony? Am I going to offend my wife? Am I, going to, uh, am I going to make my kids think that what I have isn't real? There are all kinds of bad things that can happen when we're spontaneous and destructive. So think ahead. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14, the Bible says, Beginning a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Isn't that good? You say, well, I'm just mad, and I'm just going to see where this thing goes. You're not going to like where that thing goes. Because when you start a fuss, when you start an argument and you're angry, the Bible says you open a floodgate, and there's, you can unleash a sequence of events that you can't do anything to stop or change. I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, there are divorces that happen because some Beginning a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. How do you drop the matter? You drop it by thinking, by slowing down, and by, secondly, thinking ahead, carrying out the price tag. Here's such a big one. And I've been, I've been excited about this message because I need this so much in my life. This is the one where I'm struggling. Could I just tell you, you, you guys always know you're not listening to a teacher, you're listening to another student. I'm a student teacher. And uh, I'm just, sometimes I'm one week ahead of you guys, okay? So this is the one where I'm really struggling. I'm driving around, I'm thinking, I've got to preach this Sunday, and yet I'm working on this so much of my life. But this is where you, th this is going to take, you know, this is going to take sort of an intermediate Christian. If you just now, you're really becoming new to the faith, you may really struggle with this because simply you may not, you may not have studied the Bible enough to understand everything. But here is a great, here's a great way to deal with anger. Focus your anger where it belongs. <clears throat> Focus your anger where it belongs. You say, well, Mark, that's no problem for me. I know who I'm mad at. I'm mad at my wife. <clears throat> She's the source of all my trouble. If I hadn't married her, if I'd married, if I'd married the other girl, my life would have been perfect. <laughs> you married that other girl, she'd have killed you by now, I guarantee you. I know where my anger, my anger is my boss. I, I work for the jerk of all time. I mean, he's a classic jerk boss. Okay. No. no. 
the Bible says, and we believe the Bible here, right? I mean, we're, you know, every once in a while somebody will tell me, I don't like organized religion. I always tell them, you'll love Messiah. We really struggle with organization around here. <laughs> I don't believe in religion either. I don't believe in any religion. I don't believe in any denomination. I believe in a person. I believe in Jesus. I believe there's a book that's God answers. Amen? And I believe there's a group of people. It's his people. That's what I believe. Well, you just sort of summed it up right there. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm about. I believe there's a book they gave us that's the Word of God that's got the answers. And I believe there are a group of people that get together, follow Him, read the book, know what life's about. That's what I believe. As far as I'm concerned, you know, we've got the name Baptist on the sign. I struggle sometimes. I don't like to carry Baptist baggage, but I love to carry Jesus baggage. That's where I am. I don't know where you are, but that's how I feel. Now, the Bible says... Since we believe the Bible, for we are not fighting, Ephesians 6:12, against people. Did you know that? We are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Ah. So that means if I got problems. And thankfully, I mean, God's blessed my marriage. a wonderful marriage. But if I, if I was going through problems in my marriage, i got to say, the problem's not my wife. And to some degree, the problem isn't me. We have spiritual stuff going on here. I mean, the problem is not my boss. He may indeed be a jerk, but there's spiritual things. See, I'm a spiritual person. At the moment I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I chose a team. And that team is going to have conflict. And somebody would say, well, Mark, I, I really struggle with the spiritual stuff, but I'm going to tell you, it's true. There is a living God, there is a living devil. And he is not the equal of God, but he sure is a lot of problem for me and for a lot of the issues that you and I have in life. So that means this. If I've got a situation that is making me angry, I've got to stop for a moment and think, is my anger really focused on the people in my life or on the evil one whose purpose is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I mean, I think many times you and I get angry with our partners, our spouses. We get angry at our kids. We get angry at people in our lives. And Satan is standing back laughing at us because he knows all along he has orchestrated this situation. And he's more delighted because not only are we upset about what's going on, we're now turning our cannon on people. And he loves that. He just laughs all the way to the bank when we do that. So I got to tell you, I'm struggling with this one. I mean, I'm, I'm wrestling with it in a positive way because when, when, some, when I'm out driving and somebody flips me off on the road, I got to think, you know what? I'm not angry at that guy. I'm angry at what Satan has done to that person. I'm angry at what the enemy has done. You see, all of a sudden, I'm almost on the same team with that guy who, who has made an obscene gesture at me. Because I care about him. I care about what Satan has done to him. I care about the damage. You know, when somebody is venting their spleen on me and I know they're having a bad day, it's much better for me to say, I'm angry at what the enemy has done to this person to make them react to me. All of a sudden, I'm on the same team over here. It's odd, but I'm on the same team with this person who's angry at me because all of a sudden, I've been, I'm concerned about the things that have led up to this person doing the things that have made me angry. Now, like I say, that's sort of an intermediate lesson for a Christian. You know, that takes some, it, it takes some understanding of spiritual things, but not a whole lot. The next time somebody causes you to get angry, you just remember, this is a human being just like me, 
And this person's going through a lot of stuff. And just as the enemy is opposing me, the enemy is opposing them. And I'm going to save my anger for the one who is behind all this. That's a challenge. The fourth one, and the final thing I want to talk to you about this morning, is turn creative. When you slow down and you back away from the situation, and then you're able to think ahead and say, you know what, if I fall into temptation here and I do something that's destructive, and that's going to have a big price tag, and I don't want that. And by the way, the more I think about it, I'm angry at what's happening with this person. This person who's causing me to be angry, they're being opposed by the enemy. That leads you to be able to ask this question, what can I do to make the situation better? Because when you back off and you realize that you don't fight against flesh and blood, your anger gets turned toward the enemy in the situation. And so you say to yourself, you know what, it's not the person I'm fighting, it's the situation I'm fighting. It's the situation that's making, making me angry. So what can I do to transform the environment? What can I do to make things better? I don't want to break my fist hitting the wall. I don't want to kick something or scream or say things that are damaging. What can I do to make the situation better? How can I get on the same team with the people that I'm inclined to be angry about and ask myself, what can I do to build? Ladies and gentlemen, I know I've thrown a lot at you today, but when you get to the place where you can do those four things, you will be able to take that powerful emotion of anger and you'll be able to do wonderful things with it. My guess is we are so benefited today because of wise people throughout the years who became angry and would not settle for the status quo. They were angry at the ravages of polio. They were angry at the ravages of poverty. They were angry at what ignorance was doing. And they chose to step into the environment and make a positive difference. That's what I want to do. Anger is a good emotion. God put it there for a purpose. The problem is we tend to go the wrong direction with it. We stew, we think about what's been done, and we get worse, and we're purposeful and destructive, or we can't handle the moment we, became, we become spontaneous and destructive. We need to pray that God will give us the grace to do the four things we've talked about and get to the place where we think for a while, and then when we act, we make things better. May God help you, and may God help me. I need this as much as anybody here today. Don't you believe there's some truth here today that from God's Word that can help us? This is awesome stuff. Please ask God to help you get a hold of it. Let's stand together, and we'll open the altars for a few moments. God speaking to you.